Hello and welcome to Attention Seekers, the podcast from Performance Marketing World where we get to know who's seeking attention in the industry and how they're doing it. Joined by guests ranging from senior executives to junior starters. Performance marketing is all about attention. It's the currency that is traded between consumers and advertisers, whether it's seconds on a screen or clicks on a link. So if you're not an attention seeker, you're not doing it right. I'm Lucy Shelley, junior reporter at PMW and your host for Attention Seekers. In each episode, we'll be joined by people from the industry to get the human stories behind the data. Let's begin our first episode by getting to know the team that brings Performance Marketing World to you. Today, I'm joined by our very own Robin Langford, premium content editor at PMW and all-round expert when it comes to digital marketing. Hi, Robin. How are you doing? Hi, Lucy. Thank you for that introduction. I always find it terrifying when I'm introduced as an expert. Uh, it sets expectations very high. I would say I'm experienced or I'm experienced enough to know I'm not an expert at performance marketing, but thank you for the very kind introduction anyway. Well, that's what we like to do. So everyone's expectations incredibly high. So as our first attention seeker, can you give us a little bit of a background behind you? Um, yes, I've been working in the digital marketing industry as a journalist for about 15 years. I've covered all aspects of it and largely the branding side. But more recently, I've moved over to performance marketing. Where I've looked at outcome-based marketing. And I think my job's basically to make data sexy. <laughs> to begin our episode, we would like to get to know our attention seeker a little bit better. So what is getting your attention this week? Well, this week uh, is coming off the back of the Super Bowl, uh, which is one of the biggest ad events in the world. Over the years, we've seen a transition from the Super Bowl. It's all about those TV commercials in, in those different quarters of the, of the game. And there's been a move away from just being a branding exercise to more performance marketing techniques, which is where brands put loads of effort pre-game in the, in the weeks going up to paid content, paid social, hype around their, hype around their adverts. And, What's been so interesting about the Super Bowl on Sunday was that the biggest commercial wasn't one of these massive $7 billion ones that had big celebrities in. There was ones that had Idris Elba and Zendaya and even Larry David appeared in one. But the one that got everyone talking was actually a performance marketing-led commercial. It was the Coinbase one. Um, if you haven't already seen it, the Coinbase ad was a bouncing QR code going all around the screen to like trippy 70s music. And people went absolutely crazy for it. It led to uh, the Coinbase site, which uh, is basically a Bitcoin exchange. It was really simple, uh, very retro, but it was really measurable as well, which is really interesting. Yeah, that reminds me when you're sitting sitting on the floor in the classroom at primary school and you'd see it jumping around the screen and we'd all wait for it to get to the corner. And I don't know if you've seen that office episode where they spend a whole day doing the same thing. Yeah, they definitely traded on that sort of retro vibe of the DVD logo. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we talk a lot about cookies at PMW. And so what can cookies tell about you that you would not maybe want them to know? Oh, that's super awkward question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I found out recently that Facebook knows I've been overfeeding my cat. Um, I haven't told Facebook this, but it, it knows anyway to the point where it's basically fat shaming him. Back in lockdown, my cat was the only one of us to actually put on, to actually lose weight. Sorry, not put on weight, actually lost weight, uh, whereas I put it on. Uh, and that was because he developed an intolerance to food. So I had to start feeding him special food. Ever since then, 
I guess I've been kind of overcompensating to the point where he's got rather rotund. And unlike a cat that gracefully descends a tree, when he jumps off a shelf, we just hear this massive bang. And um, Facebook sort of figured this out. And it, used to, it was initially selling me well, his newsfeed. It was selling me uh, some diet cat food, but it seems to have given up. And now it's just selling me uh, something called fat cat art, which is uh, this. <laughs> I know it's it, it's basically it's uh, it's an artist in a, in America. So they're casting their net quite wide to reach me. They're obviously setting their ad parameters to reach UK users. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it superimposes fat cats onto famous pieces of art. And it looks really good. So there's uh, Mona Lisa holding a fat cat. There's uh, Edward Munch's The Scream. It's the cat screaming. Uh, <laughs> and um, the one with the, my favorite one is Ophelia lying in the reeds and the cat's just pouring at her saying, are you dead? Are you going to feed me? And, and long story short, I bought five prints. Yeah, well, I think fat cat art is something we should all have a bit more of. I feel a bit bad for your cat, though, receiving diet diet food. Yeah, I think you'd rather uh, the, the pictures than the diet food, frankly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, sh- you should try and superimpose him on one of the one of the pictures. He should get, get on the trend. Yes. And Robin, since we are talking to you as our attention seeker, have, I want to know, have you ever done anything completely ridiculous, unnecessary for attention? Oh, this is hard, Lucy. I'm, I'm a naturally introverted person. I don't really seek attention. The only time I do seek attention is if I'm a bit inebriated. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm trying on this first podcast to create an air of authority with our readers. So, so thanks for asking me this question, Lucy. <laughs> uh, racking my brains for a, a non-drunken episode. We uh, want to hear the drunken no, stories. I'm not getting that. <laughs> you lose all respect. Um, I, I did have to think back to my first week of freshers, which was a very long time ago now. And I wasn't drunk in this episode. Um, in that first week, I managed, I was basically trying to impress a new peer group. Uh, everyone does that. So I sought attention by just showing off, doing a few stunts. And those involved me getting trapped in a very old lift. I, I managed to fall down a manhole, actual like cartoon style in the street. And there was also a fire in our halls. That wasn't my fault, allegedly, but we also ended up in A&E at one point. This all happened in the first week of Freshers. I developed a reputation of being somewhat accident-prone, and I think since then I haven't sought as much attention, funnily enough. You're shying away from it now. You sound like you were very busy in your first week at Freshers. It was all in that first week. There's a lot to take in. And moving on to our next section, which is about ratings. We want to know from you, what do you think is most underrated and also overrated within the industry? So let's start with overrated. For today's overrated thing, um, I've decided to go with movie villains that are performance marketers. I've noticed this being a trend. Um, Over Christmas, I wanted to relax and just watch a few films. I hadn't been able to catch up on. And even then, I couldn't escape the clutches of performance marketing because I noticed all the villains in these films were data harvesters. That seems to be the new trend for villains in films to want people's data. It's not really about money. Uh, so things like Don't Look Up, Mark Rylance's character, this incredibly arrogant multi-billionaire tech giants guy who boasts to Leonardo DiCaprio that his algorithms know when he's going to die. And I won't do the spoiler about what actually happens in that film. Um, and then also the second film, Ron's Gone Wrong, a really charming Disney film, the villain in that wants to use these cute little um, droids to spy on children. Again, evil performance marketer. Third one I saw at Christmas was Free Guy. The evil guy in that wants to take over this video game and completely commercialize it. 
And I'm just noticing there's this trend. Uh, and I, I realize performance marketing has a serious PR problem. And I'm thinking about that. It's that, uh, actually most of our data, sh- most of the data we share with brands actually tends to be quite positive. It's just that we don't notice it when it goes right. And I think there needs to be more made about that value exchange. And when it's done in a privacy safe way, it works. So I don't want to come across all like Nick Clegg or something where I'm going to defend <laughs> these big tech giants. They don't do, they don't get everything right. Certainly and I'm not going to defend all that stuff, but I do think there's a case to be made for making a bigger thing about when it, when it really works on the train into work today. Uh, I wanted to log into Wi-Fi and I had to re-log in with all my details. I was really frustrated by that. And and when it does work well, I really appreciate it. But sometimes we tend to notice the negatives rather than the positives. I've just realized saying that, that that wouldn't make a very good Hollywood script. <laughs> Wi- Wi-Fi on a train instead of strangers on a train. It's not really that interesting. But still, I think there's a point to be made. Yeah, well, I think they need... It's the, the whole industry needs demystifying, I guess, because I think it's so complex that people don't understand it. And it's the fear of the unknown, which probably makes these villains uh, exciting and and terrifying because people are scared of the unknown. So I guess it's it's about communicating to people that there's nothing to be scared of. It's about, you know, getting the knowledge out there. Do you think this is just going to be a trend? Or do you think as people get more accustomed to their data being used for in good ways that people will be less so terrified of it? Well, I think I'm a cynic. And I think, unfortunately, it, it will become more of a trend because I think the bad sides of data harvesting are always going to be brought to the limelight and people are more privacy aware. I think the good news is that regulation and and changes to cookie tracking are coming in place and and brands are getting wiser to it. And I think we're going to see a lot more, overall, we're going to see a lot more positive examples of privacy, but the negative things are still always going to take the headlines and get the Hollywood movie scripts. All right, well, moving on, let's hear what you think is underrated in the industry today. So what do you think deserves more attention? Well, we hear a lot at the moment about first-party data and third-party data. So today, I wanted to give a bit of love to second-party data and also zero-party data. With second-party data, it's not that it's um, it's underrated. I think it's just not as discussed as much in terms of the other two. And second-party data is more where you uh, share data with a brand or company that aligns to your interests but not a direct competitor so it would be it's really beneficial for example for someone that just sells shoes to share data with a company that just sells clothes because you can get those seasonal trends and you can work out when party season is and if you've only got limited data resources yourself that doubles the amount of information you have so i think that's really really valuable i think a lot of companies are switching on to that especially now third-party data is becoming uh, a more difficult proposition and that our this this came to me at one of our first performance marketing world events with Stuart Irvine at Heathrow Airport. Uh, do you notice there, Lucy, I put in a nice plug for our events. Yep, very uh, good, Robin. <laughs> I've got to do my job here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do after you listen to this podcast, please check out the top of our, our nav bar for our events page to see what's coming up. <laughs> shameless, terrible. Robin, shameless. shameless. I know. Um, but going back to that, um, yeah, Stuart Irvine, I think I couldn't remember his job title, but he was lead analyst at, at Heathrow Airport. So like, he gave a really interesting speech about how they use partner data or second party data with the airlines uh, that come in like BA and I don't know if it's strictly BA don't hold me to that that was really useful to them because they're not a direct competitor with these airlines but the data each one can share is really useful about the type of customers that are coming into the terminal how they can market to them and it's just a huge 
extra bit of data. And the main thing about second-party data compared to third-party data from big aggregators like Google and Facebook is that it's a bit more transparent and it's a bit more open. Uh, so it's it's also very useful for smaller companies as well that are really trying to boost knowledge about uh, the customers um, just to maybe think of other partners they could they could get together with. Yeah, well, you've done a good job of, uh, you pardon the pun, giving this a bit more airtime. Zero-party oh, data and second-party data can now become rated as they should be. Can you give us a little, a quick summary of what zero-party data is for yeah. our listeners that might not know? Yes, uh, zero-party data is often bundled in with first-party data. First-party data is where you your site analytics of your customers, their transaction data and that kind of thing. But zero-party data is more when the customer is willingly submitting information to you. And the w- good way to do that is to get engagement with them. Uh, and that's whether it's quizzes or, or games or a good way in. At the moment, there's a huge popularity of things like Wordle. If you haven't already played it wordle is basically a word guessing game you can play it online or via an app every day there's a different word and it's the same for everyone and people are going mad just talking about it on social and it's just dominating conversation at the moment i think it's good for brands to think about what's your wordle what's your way what's your unique way of perhaps gamifying your relationship with your audience in a way that they might want to keep returning to you and and really find a, a real value exchange of data with you. I haven't downloaded Wordle yet. Do you have it on your phone? It's a, it's a Scrabble-type game, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's big business. It's just been sold to the New York Times. I haven't played it until recently because it came up on my lad's chat. Uh, one, of my, <laughs> one of my friends actually noted our lad's chat that my name, because it's a five-letter word, was one of the Wordles of the day. And, and there's only ever one Wordle each day that everyone in the world has to play. I think that's the appeal of it. Um, on the lads chat, I think he upset everyone else because he gave away the answer. Because the whole point of Wordle is that you guess, you guess letters. But I think the key appeal of Wordle is it's ephemeral, a bit like Snapchat. It fades away after a day, and there's a real gamification element to it. Well, exactly. I mean, it's a bit like the Coinbase advert as well. It moves around, and you have to scan it, to then go somewhere else. And it's these where you're being led somewhere, and you have to kind of chase after the thing that you're, the thing that you're wanting. That's kind of what makes things successful and attractive to their customers isn't it absolutely it's very much reward based we're, we're, we're competitive at heart i think and we we like to also get uh, validation from other people as well definitely definitely on to our next section which is all about getting my attention robin this section is called resell me a pen Our listeners, which has been our team this week, since this is our first episode, have sent in objects that are no longer used, they're outdated and old-fashioned products or gadgets. And we would like you to remarket them, remarket them to today's world, today's audience, and ideally with a performance marketing strategy involved. So we have chosen for you today cassette tapes. And I will warn you, I am grading this at the end, so you must, you really got to try your best. Oh and dear. also for our audience, for our next episode, we will be asking you to send in some more options for outdated gadgets and products. So keep an eye out on our socials, our Twitter and LinkedIn, and you can send us the new ideas for products. Right, Robin, if you're ready, sell me a cassette tape. Okay, this is a tricky sell. Um, I've decided to go down the gift route for this. Uh, more 
specifically maybe the romantic gift route with cassettes they haven't had the revival that vinyl has had but one of the things about cassettes i was thinking about this something that survived from that is in the lexicon of technology and media is the idea of the mixtape musicians make mixtapes for their fans people make mixtapes for their friends but what they're really talking about is like digital playlists there's no tape involved like it's not a cassette tape but they still call it a mixtape so i thought i'd run with that and one of the most classic uses of a mixtape is when you're trying to win someone's romantic affections <laughs> uh, i'm too old i'm too old for tapes pretty much but i did actually do this i i did make a romantic mix cd for someone of my affections and and that didn't work out very well in in retrospect i shouldn't have made a three cd compilation you made an anthology Robin. I, What's a, going on? I did make an anthology and i think that said more about me than than her so it became a bit, I would say, probably self-indulgent. Uh, so <laughs> I can see why it backfired in retrospect. Um, but back onto mixtapes and CDs, I think it could be like a, a gift. Basically, you could record a sort of your favourite selection of music on on your platform of choice. And you could send it away to a company that makes an actual cassette compilation that you can give to someone as a loving gift. Of I've made this music. The trouble is no one can play cassettes anymore. You'd have to break into an old car with an old stereo system to actually play cassettes. No one has that. No one even has a Walkman anymore. So I think the way to get around that with this cassette, this gift cassette, is to have a QR code on it that you scan and links to the music playlist of your choice. And I think that's a really good way of bridging the, bridging the physical and digital world or digital <laughs> I, I hate myself for saying that word. It has come up before. Yeah. Uh, but the digital world, but people do still desire that thing, thing that they can touch. And I think one, another thing that's missing from the music aspect now, music aspect nowadays is, um, is like sleeve notes and uh, artwork and stuff, which I think mm. is iconic to, to a lot of music. So I think you can have that in the physical cassette you give to people, but then you've still got that digital aspect and it becomes a nice novelty gift that they still ha always have an actual thing they can touch as well as listen to on, on their listening platform of choice. Performance art marketing aspects, what I would say is you could sell it on perhaps Amazon Shopping. We've got great tips on Performance Marketing World on how to get into that, into that coveted buy box on Amazon. Uh, and also Google Shopping. We've got some great tips there. I'm, I'm, see, I'm, I'm shameless, yeah. aren't I, Lucy? I really <laughs> I am shameless. But there's some great tips on a how-to section on how to get onto these uh, different um, shopping platforms. I toyed with the idea of uh, advertising on uh, dating platforms like Tinder or Grindr or one of those but then I kind of think that might be a bit creepy. You're just trying to date someone that's like early stages. You definitely scare them off, Robin, which yeah. sounds like what might have happened with you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I think romantic gestures are old fashioned. I think they should. I, I can't imagine thinking of romantic gestures that are futuristic and very techy. I think they do. You need that physical something to give. Like you mentioned earlier about, you know, being competitive, people wanting to kind of get rewarded. Same with a gift. When you get given something, I think a physical thing means you have an actual piece of someone's love that you can hold on to as well as listen to. When it's all over, you still have a trinket. A memory, whether it be sad or happy, I don't know. <laughs> all right, well, I guess it comes on to my grading now. And we have a very advanced grading system, a 1 to 10 grading system, which may or may not be used before. And I am going to grade your QR-coded cassette tapes, a grand total of... I'm going to give you an eight, actually. Eight? An eight. I think I really like the idea, and I think you should definitely get a copyright on that, because it's definitely something that I'd be using. But it's about 
integrating it into the future. No, that was good, Robin, but there's always room for improvement. So we've got to leave that gap there just so we know that we can get better next time. Thank you. Noted. (laughs) Well, Robin, you have been a fantastic guest on our first episode and I hope our listeners have got to know you a bit more and have got to know a slightly more fun side of you as well. So thank you for being our first guest on Attention Seekers and I hope we have satisfied your attention-seeking desires and look forward to hearing you lots more in the future. Thank you. If you want to find out more about the global brands, agencies and platforms in the performance marketing industry, sign up to our newsletter by registering with us on our website, performancemarketingworld.com. Thank you for listening in today to our first ever episode of our Attention Seekers podcast. And don't forget to look out on our socials, which are linked on the site and in this episode's description, to send in suggestions for next time's Resell Me a Pen section. Mm -hmm.